Hey there, folks. Welcome back to the State Tax Show. I'm Matt Hunsaker. I've got a special treat for you today. Dave Ebersole joins me in the studio to talk about property tax. It doesn't get much more exciting than that. So I've been called to repentance by our friends in the property tax world for not giving them enough love on the show. So to make amends, I asked Dave Ebersole, one of my teammates in Columbus, to join the show and share his insights into what's going on in the property tax world. Here's our discussion. Hi, Dave. Thanks for jumping in the virtual studio today to talk about property tax. Hi, Matt. How are you? I'm doing great. How are things up in Ohio? Good. It's a bright, sunshiny day. Um, spring is near, and uh, you know we're we're headed right into uh, budget season at the Ohio General Assembly. So that that uh, you know always always provides for some uh, uh, thought-provoking material. I know how that feels. Uh, the Texas legislature just meets every other year, and so we're in the hot year where we get to pay attention to tax legislation down here. But I thought today to kind of shake things up a little bit, we might talk a little bit about property taxes. And I think right now in this climate, any discussion of property taxes also ties in with the pandemic. So maybe you could just tell us a little bit about what's going on with uh, how the pandemic is affecting the property tax world. Right. Yeah, it's still playing out and we're, we're still trying to figure that out to some extent. But, you know, we've seen some uh, sectors in particular that have been particularly hard hit by the pandemic. You know, others seem to have, you know, ramped up and, and done very well through the pandemic. But if you're talking about, uh, you know, brick and mortar retail, the hospitality industry, the travel industry, you know, these are industries that are, that are really still hurting from the pandemic. Um, so the, the way the, the property tax plays into that is... You know, these are these are hard hit uh, properties and we have property tax bills for 2020 coming due now here at the end of 2020. And, and we're sitting here at the beginning, in, you know, in March of uh, 2021 and, and these, uh, you know, the companies in these sectors are um, not doing well and they're kind of getting a double double whammy of a higher property tax bill, which in a lot of states is valued as of January 1, 2020. So that's pre-pandemic. Um Things were going well for a lot of places, January 1, 2020, you know, so, you, so you've got the business downturn and the tax, tax bill going up in the um, present term. So that, that's the issue that we're seeing in 2021 will bring another set of considerations because you have, you know, just what is the outlook? Um, what's the recovery going to look like? And, you know, where's any particular property valued? Well, Dave, it seems like 2020 is somewhat water under the bridge because in most states, the time to contest 2020 values has passed. And in fact, in those states that have offered some sort of disaster relief for 2020, I, I think a lot of those deadlines are passed as well. So looking forward 
in the, or I guess in the present, what is a taxpayer to do strategically to address these property tax issues? Well, I, I think it depends on the type of property that you're dealing with and, you know, whether you're, uh, you're looking at the long view or, an, or a shorter, shorter term perspective. Um, you know, let's say we're dealing with a retail property. Um, this would be a situation where, you know, you, let's say you have a big box store and you're looking out at the landscape in that market and maybe you've got first generation built to suit stores with a high credit tenant and a long term lease. Um, and the rest of the market's filled with maybe vacant stores, maybe repurposed stores. Um, and depending on the state of the law in, in any particular state, these types of properties bring with them a lot of different considerations. Where is the property valued now? What are you considering the recovery to look like? You know, if you've got a property that's got a, a pretty good valuation in the past, you're expecting a, a good recovery as of January 1, 2021, depending on where you're at, or 2022, you know, is the, the value of that property um, eventually going to go up? Um, it's just, you know, something to keep in mind. But um, probably in most cases, you're going to want to contest value to, to get that down. Because if we're looking across the retail sector, we've seen the acceleration of a trend that you know was was already happening before the pandemic, and that is the transition to uh, more of a virtual uh, economy. So, you know, we're we're just in a situation where we're going to see probably consolidation of shopping malls, uh, more and more prominent retail bankruptcies, you know, and and that's affecting uh, the values of these properties. The tenants just have a lot more bargaining power. You know, if there's a lot of open open uh, stores out there. You know they can. You know um, they have more choices and more bargaining power. So, Dave, what should taxpayers be doing right now to prepare themselves to contest their property tax values? Well, Matt, you know, anytime you're contesting value, you're going to need a good appraisal. So, you're going to want these are very local taxes. These are taxes where you know from county to county, even within the same state, things might be viewed a little bit differently. So, you're going to want um, you know an appraiser that's familiar with the market. You're going to want an attorney that, you know, is familiar with the um, valuation complaint process and, and appeals on up that process. Um, and you're going to want to document everything. Um, and it just depends on what type of property you're talking about as far as documenting, um, you know, the performance of that property during the pandemic. If we're, um, a retail landlord, what what types of rents are you actually collecting? Are there delays? If you're in the hospitality industry, say you might be looking at occupancy and revenue generated per available room and, and all those types of things. And, and these are business records that they would be keeping anyway, but um, just making sure that you have those and, and that you have a good appraisal to go with, you know, the valuation that you're seeking for your property. Yeah. It sounds like it's just really kind of basic bread and butter considerations for property tax. It's just that it's so important right now because of the depressed values. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, one thing to keep in mind when you're contesting these values is that the the, the process is probably backed up a little bit. I know it is in Ohio. Um, the boards of revision in Ohio have kept chugging along with um, – telephone hearings, virtual video conferencing hearings, 
Um, but our Board of Tax Appeals really has not been doing that. They've recently, in the past couple months, uh, started a fledgling video uh, hearing process that, that I'm not sure has been hugely popular. So when things do come back online, when um, these tribunals are back in the office, um, I think we can expect a backlog of cases. And that's something to keep in mind because um, there can be pressure on the parties to resolve the cases in that type of environment. So I have a question for you while I have you on. I, I get questions now and again about what's this deal with dark stores? Maybe you can tell us a little bit about the dark store issue and you know what it is and maybe tell us what's been going on in Ohio with that particular issue. Sure. The dark store issue is probably the most controversial property tax issue that we've seen in recent years. Um, depending on the approach that's taken, a property owner and a uh, local tax assessor or a school board could reach wildly different values. So uh, basically what we have here is a big box retail store occupied by a national chain and it's built to suit um, for that national chain's specifications. A competitor is not going to be able to use this property. Um, so if the property were resold, it would be to a second generation user that's probably going to need to repurpose the property. And um, you can begin to see that the issue here is the value in use or the value in exchange. Because if we're looking at the uh, first generation users uh, use, um, you know, it can be very valuable to them to have those specifications. But if they were to sell that property, it's probably going to get assigned a uh, much lower value by the purchaser because it's going to need to be repurposed. And so um, this is where we get into valuing the property as if it were vacant. And, um, you know, that's the quote dark store. You know, and, and this is an issue that's playing out in various jurisdictions across the country. And, you know, you know, it'll certainly be interesting to follow. Um, realize that this is playing out against a backdrop of what we talked about earlier with um, uh, the pandemic reshaping how our economy is becoming more virtual and we're, we can expect to see more repurposed properties as we go forward. The issue that we have going on in Ohio is very interesting. It's a little bit broader than the dark store issue per se, but certainly has an impact as well. Basically, we had a rule that a recent arm's length sale was the best evidence of true value, and that was a conclusive presumption. The General Assembly amended the statute um, to provide that the interest being valued for property tax purposes is the fee simple estate as if unencumbered. Um, so we had an Ohio Supreme Court case uh, addressing what exactly that means, and this is a case called Terraza 8. This is a case where there was a sale of a fitness center and this fitness center had a national chain tenant, a high credit tenant under a um, long-term 15-year lease and the property owner um, disagreed with the sale price as the true value of the property due to that lease. Um, you know if you have two identical properties one without the lease and another with the high credit tenant under a long-term lease the property owner is saying aren't those property is going to sell at different prices because having that tenant in there is extremely invaluable to the person buying the property. A lot of times we have uh, investors who are looking at that income stream almost exclusively. They're not interested in uh, the ins and the outs of um, the real property and the condition of the building and that type of thing. So um, the Supreme Court agreed 
agreed with that, that yes, the lease does make a difference and um, pointed to our legislative amendment as, um, you know, a change in the law um, where we still have a, a presumption that the recent arm's length sale is the best evidence of true value, but it's no longer conclusive, um, you know, can be rebutted um, with evidence um, going to um, the nature of a lease, um, an encumbrance, if you will, on the property. Um, the issue then turns to um, one that I don't think we've resolved, which is how to make adjustments to take into account that lease. How do we put these two identical properties, otherwise identical properties, on the same level playing field? Yeah, I think we're seeing those just about everywhere around the country. So really, the, the whole concept of dark store then is, are we valuing it with the understanding that we have a particular tenant or are we valuing it essentially with the lights off as if it's just a building? Yep. Yeah. Now this, I think this ties into my next question that I have for you. And, and that is kind of one of the basic principles of property tax, at least in most States is that you tax the real property or tangible personal property, depending on the law. But you have to extract or remove the value of intangible property. Uh, maybe you can give us some thoughts and maybe talk us through a case or so that addresses that particular issue. Yeah, it's a very interesting issue. I mean, th this is an issue that comes up in the hospitality industry because so much of their value is the brand, you know, the, the brand or um, the management that's familiar with keeping um, you know, a capable workforce in there and, and keeping the rooms booked. Um, because remember the hotel, you've got turnover um, on, a, on a very short-term basis. And, you know, that's um, a really big part of its value, that that intangibles. And this isn't just an issue for hospitality. I mean, you and I have looked at this particular issue, even in the context of valuing electrical generation facilities and whether you take into account the either above or below market long-term power purchase agreement. Yeah, th th that's right. <laughs> you know, that we're, we're still working through in a number of jurisdictions. Well, Dave, I think that's probably enough property tax for today. Thanks for hopping on the show. We don't get to talk about property tax on the show as much as we probably should. So hopefully this will be interesting for our listeners in the indirect space that handle property taxes. So. Thanks again for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me, Matt. I enjoyed it. Well, I hope that satisfied your cravings for property tax. If you have any follow-up property tax questions that you'd like to address to Dave or me, our contact information is in the show notes. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode of The State Tax Show. Until then, have yourselves a great week. The State Tax Show podcast is produced by Baker and Hostetler, LLP, and is for informational purposes only. It is intended to inform our clients and other friends of the firm about current legal developments of general interest. Issues discussed should not be construed as legal advice, and listeners should not act upon the information contained in this podcast without professional counsel. In some jurisdictions, this podcast may constitute attorney advertising. Please visit BakerLaw.com for more information about our practices and experience.